1: To Why We Are Here with empowerment coach, energy healer, and visionary author Sharon Rose Washington. Why We Are Here is a portal of heartfelt communication designed to inspire you with expansive words, of wisdom, personal insight, and open candor from luminary guests around the world. Now, here's your host, Sharon Rose Washington.
2: Hello, and welcome to Why We Are Here. I'm your host, Sharon Rose Washington. You have now entered into that comfortable atmosphere where luminaries from around the world join us to share their contributions, findings, and opinions. My guests today are the illustrious Renee Piani, international love expert, known as the love designer, voted best international dating coach, and author of the new book, Get Real About Love. Later on in the show, I'll be speaking with Dee Roman, author, motivational speaker, and an international advocate for women. But for now, let's focus on my first guest, Renee Piani. In her new book, Get Real About Love, The Secrets to Opening Your Heart and Finding True Love, relationship reinvention expert Renee Piani asks busy singles to wake up, go deep, and take time for love. With candor and wit, painful insights and breakthroughs, she shares true love stories, including her own. So today, at the top of the show, let's welcome Renee Piani, Thank you for joining us. Welcome to why we are here.
3: Hi, Sharon. I'm so excited to be here to be with you first of all and to share some of my wake-up calls with people out there. So thank you so much for having me.
2: Anytime. You know, I I want everyone out there to know I met you several years ago and instantly I felt your message of love for not just for For me but for everyone and everything and you genuinely have this bubbly energy you know you're one of a kind what do you you are you really are what do you attribute that energy to
3: well I think that my passion for connecting people has been since my early years because I grew up in an Italian family I'm 100% East Coast Italian and our family was very passionate about community and helping people so my father and mother have instilled that in me, um, and I I just have always been one of those type of people that can really feel people and connect with people intuitively, and I just, I think that I, my message is really about sharing love, you know, and, and having people open themselves up to it, because so many people just don't believe in love anymore, so I just, this has just been my path for many, many years.
2: Yeah, you can even hear it in your voice. And I, I want to say I've met your dad on a few occasions, and he's still a love
3: magnet. <laughs> oh, my God. My dad is a, well, my mother and my father both were were charismatic people. And my father is just such a charmer, you know. And as you can see, when you came to visit, he was like all enamored with your beauty and your daughter. And he's just, he is, he's is a love bug and a philanthropic man. hes He's amazing. He really is. That's beautiful. Now you've you've been in the love
2: business here in the Los Angeles area over twenty years, and even though it's not always been easy, what drove you to do this work?
3: Well, honestly, when I first moved here, I was from a small town, and my family was very well known. So I used to do connecting parties and television and fashion shows with you know with causes. And I was sort of a big fish in a in a little pond. And then when I came out here, I was having so much fun. But when I moved here, it was lonely in Los Angeles because there's not a whole lot of community within the cities in L.A. So... Everyone's in their cars, everyone's busy, rushing, you know, trying to make it big in the TV and world and all the stuff that people do, movies. And I thought, God, these people are lonely. So I decided that I was going to single-handedly connect people in the community because I wanted to meet people, and I didn't know anyone. So I created Loveworks Cocktail Parties to mix it up, and that was about 23 years ago, over Uh 23 years ago. And that's what led me into everything. It just was fascinating How One Door Opens Another.
2: Now, speaking of One Door Opens Another, you have a book that you've done called Love Mechanics. And Mm -hmm. so now, yeah, now you've got this book, Get Real About Love. Compared to Love Mechanics, what's the difference between the two books? And and tell me why you wrote the new book, um, Get Real About Love.
3: Okay. Well, first of all, Love Mechanics was written for men because when I came here, I was doing makeovers and and wedding consulting, and I'd work with many, many people that were getting married that I knew intuitively should not have been married, number one. And number two, I was uh, invited to teach a makeover class at a pickup artist class at the Learning Annex 24 years ago, and that's what led me to see how Prince, the men ha- uh, didn't have a whole lot of prince, quote, prince training, right? The mm-hmm, women were all mm-hmm. frustrated. So I thought, wow, I could teach men how to love women. So that's what Love Mechanics was, was all about and still is. I still sell a lot of those books. And for men that want to get a tune up, it really helps them understand how women think. But after that, I, I pioneered rapid dating and then I saw how people were dating. And that they weren't realistic about how they were dating, which then led me to write the new book, Get Real About Love.
2: Yeah, you mentioned rapid dating, which I think they now kind of call it speed dating. But you were the person who initially brought
3: in that concept, right? Well, actually, it was myself and my partner, Leanne. Uh, she had followed my, my work of putting people together in the community. She actually had the name Rapid Dating, but she had no list. Or, and I had a big following of people that I was matching, and I was putting people together for love and business. So she came to me with the idea, and I was doing a lot of television for Love Mechanics at the time, and I said, Leah, let's do it. So we partnered, but we were the very first dating company in the nation, the first non-denominational speed dating company, and it became this huge monster hit right away. Like it was like, <laughs> whoo! We were like on a whirlwind, and that's what kept me so busy. Um, but it was a fascinating study of the different age groups and different nationalities of daters all over the country. So it really gave me a whole platform of information that made me real really understand how challenged people were of all ages and all nationalities worldwide because I lived in L.A. Mm. So it was fascinating. It was fascinating. Well, rapid dating or speed dating,
2: uh, it kind of breaks the ice, you know, for people to even just kind of feel comfortable to be across from someone and just try to communicate something. How successful do you think it was and is it still successful, do you think?
3: Well, you know, it's very interesting because I've been in the dating business even before the internet started, you know. So this is the rapid dating, I think, was what broke the ice for the whole world, which then evolved into, I mean, the, the online dating and rapid dating all kind of came out at the same time. And rapid dating was a face-to-face sort of match.com. It was awesome. Uh, 85, we had an 85% success rate, not necessarily for marriage, but a lot of people got to meet people that they never would have met because they're sitting home on their couches, wishing they could have some connection. So it was just a fast way to meet a lot of people to see if there was a connection. And I saw hundreds and hundreds of couples get married and was responsible, you know, personally for thousands of marriages nationwide. And I I always run into couples that go, oh, my God, I met at your rapid dating, you know, 10 years ago. I'm like, oh, my God, they have kids, Mm -hmm. you know. So I have rapid dating babies everywhere. Even my own brother met his girlfriend at rapid dating. Oh, Yeah. And and they're still together. They're still together. Uh, Actually, they broke up about a year ago because he didn't really want to get married anyway, but they were happily together for a long time, you know, but it broke him out. He was going through a divorce like many of the clients that I work with, um, you know, who are heartbroken and kind of a little down and out on dating. And he came to rapid dating and went from having no dates to having six. And then he ended up you know, pairing it down to her, and then they dated for six years. So it just wasn't a long-term commitment, but they had a great time together. There's lots of success stories at rapid dating. But I I transformed it into something else now. I'm not doing it as much because it got copied nationwide, and then the whole, you know, match bot, uh, hurry date, and quick date, eight on a date, they all were doing it, so it sort of, like, diluted the success of it over time. So now the big hot thing is Tinder you know, and all these quick ways to meet. It's like the faster, fast version of, of rapid dating. <laughs> it's like the hookup club, you know?
2: Yes. You'd mentioned when we mentioned your brother, and there's a question that will be asked a little bit later on in speaking to you. I won't ask it right now because it comes from one of the um, the listeners about, mm-hmm. you know, marriage, about marriage, because you can do a lot of things to try to make the relationship work. and But when it comes time about marriage, then some people just kind of, you know, aren't ready. So that question That's will be right. asked. Yeah, that question will be asked later, but let's talk about you as a healer of the heart because mm. um in the intro I I mentioned you're a love designer and your yes. work your work helps to open people's hearts to love again. This is really important that listeners need to hear out there because there's a lot of people that go through heartache, you know, they're betrayed or they've given away innocence or they even have a, a you know, not necessarily the true idea of love. So what are a few immediate things someone can do after a really bad breakup or a divorce?
3: Well, in my book, Get Real About Love, you know, and after working with so many people, most of the people that come to me do have you know, some heartbreaks or disappointments, I call it. And they always say, gosh, I'm so disappointed. I say, well, then you weren't appointed for that person. But most importantly, to to have an open heart means that you need to learn the lessons so that when you go out the next time, you're going with an open space in your life. But a lot of people rush and quickly get into relationships because they're trying to numb pain, right? So that comes from childhood. It comes from bad experience in relationships. And often people marry people. I used to do their hair and makeup for their weddings and get the brides ready, and I would think half of the time, oh, my God, they're not even aligned. The couples weren't even aligned. So when people come to me, the reason I called my process Get Real About Love is to help people to look at the depth of their heart and the honesty that they have with themselves, and a lot of people are just in denial and are in this fantasy about love. And once you get clear about who you are and what you really want, sometimes you'll go, wow, I really learned so much from Steve or Mary or whoever it was that you were with. So it's just a, 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 a it's a very heart-deepening process that helps people to look at themselves in the deepest way possible so that when they go back out there... And it takes time to break it down because some people have a lot of walls up and I help them melt the walls.
2: That's beautiful. Uh, Do you feel that there's really someone out there for everyone? Because I know that anyone listening and, and everyone out there, if they're single, they really are wanting someone for the most part.
3: I would say absolutely that there's some one for everyone. But if you don't believe in love and your heart is all shut down, then you're closing off all the possibilities. When you really like, when I remember that I had many disappointments and believe me in my book, you'll read my whole entire story because it's the story of how I had my heart open and then broken and then open and then broken. But I always believed in love. I always believed in it. So, I ask people all the time, check the percentage of how much you believe in love. So I'd ask all your listeners, how much of you believes in love? Is it 50-50, 70-30, you know, 60-40? Because if only 40% of you believes in love and the 60% is giving you the negative talk all the time about it, then you're going to attract people that are exactly the way you are. And you'll end up going into what I call a love loop where you'll do the same thing over and over. Or... You'll just be alone and just have this belief, oh, there's nobody for me anyway. With all the success stories that I have of people who thought it was impossible to find love, you might want to listen to my radio show. There's a woman that called me and she said, if you can fix me, I'm an impossible case. That's what she said when she came to me and she's now getting engaged. So it's possible for everyone, so they just have to believe in themselves and look at what it is that they're gnawing at, what's gnawing at their heart, clear it out, and then open the space up. And that takes some time.
2: Yes. And your book is partially about your personal journey to finding your soulmate, mate, uh, who's Joe. Tell us how you met your husband.
3: Wow. I, I have to say, uh, writing my book was very, very personal because Everywhere I go, like when I met you and anytime, you know, you're around me, and you say, what the first thing people ask is, "How did you meet Joe?" Well, how I met Joe was from doing all this deep work on myself. There was a lot of infidelity in my family, and I had blocks to love, so I went through this this process that I actually developed for myself, and I just decided that I was just going to slow everything down, really get in touch with my own heart and really start to think what it would be like to be married to somebody really special instead of thinking about, oh, God, I'm never going to meet anybody. I flipped everything around. And as it turns out, um, my uh, mother, unfortunately, was diagnosed with, uh, uh, with fibromyalgia and was given a drug that actually killed her. Uh, suddenly, and I got slowed down for a few weeks. And when I went back east, I ended up running into a gentleman there. This is the short version. They can actually go online and read about it. Uh, but it was being slowed down by something shocking that actually made me look at how important love is in, a, in your life and how you have to carve out space in your life for love. So it turns out that I had met Joe when I was in my 20s and we re-met again 20 years later and the spark was still there and we ended up having a long-distance relationship that turned into true love. And that's just a short, abridged version, but it was a very magical connection because I drove two hours to meet another man uh, that I got fixed up with, and he just so happened to be in that town. And the man that I went to meet was rude to me, and I canceled the date (laughs) and ran into Joe on a blue full moon. It was like the most magical... Movie, it was like a movie. It was like the movie Sliding Doors. If anyone has ever read Sliding Doors, it's like one magical moment in your life when you were supposed to be doing one thing and it turned into something else and that moment in time opened up and there Joe was and he lived 3,000 miles away, was going through a divorce and I thought, how would this ever be? How could this ever happen? But one magical thing led to another because of our intention and our feelings for each other and the growing, the way we grew the relationship.
2: Yes. I, as a matter of fact, I think Gwyneth Paltrow did the the uh, movie Sliding Doors, and I, I bought the
3: soundtrack to the film. It was so good. Ah, so, oh, what a great movie. I mean, it yeah, just was... Yeah. If she hadn't been one place at the same... You know, because he was he drove two hours to the shore. I had to fly back for my my mother's death, caused my poor auntie to have to cancel her wedding. So I came back for this big wedding and I did a big media thing in, in Delaware, Philadelphia, New York. I was on the radio and television and Joe saw it in the paper. He hadn't seen me in 20 years. He was on his way to the shore because on the East Coast, everybody goes to the shore. And I just so happened to get asked to go on a date. So the guy just Blue, he was just so rude, I just couldn't go out with him. I said, I don't even need to meet you. You're rude. And I happened to be where Joe was. And then, you know, we, uh, there was a bar that I hadn't been to in 18 years. And I said to my cousin, we have to go in there. I know I'm going to see somebody. And she goes, you and your psychic predictions. And I said, Gina, pull into the parking lot. <laughs> and there was Joe. But if I had come 10 minutes later, he would have been kicked off the deck because his son was not old enough to be there. It was 9 o'clock, and it turned into a nightclub, and his son was only 16. So I believe that fate brought me there. I believe that the magic of slowing down and really reflecting on your heart of what you really, really want. And Joe, as you know, and you've met him, and many people have met him, and you can meet him online. You can see him and see, see us together, but he's just a magical man, and he's just everything I always waited for.
2: Wonderful. Let me ask you one quick question before we um, get some of the questions in from the listeners. We want to make sure we get this in on the show. But what's something really important uh, that anyone who wants love in their life should know about love that's not even considered, that most people don't even consider?
3: I believe that not everyone is is supposed to follow the cookie-cutter societal picture of love. When you get real about what your heart wants, whether it's to be in an open relationship or with a sacred partnership or a soulmate to be married and have beautiful children, get to know who you are from the depths of your heart. Get into the joy and the gift that you really are. And when you go to meet people, feel as if the love of your life is going to be coming. Like start to treat yourself now as you would if you were totally in love. And I think that's really the secret is believing in yourself, knowing who you are, and then living your life in a loving space. And it just magnetizes. And you give that love out, and it starts flying back at you, whether it's friendships, business opportunities, and, of course, soulmates. So most people go to me, oh, my God, it just happened when I shifted myself and my heart and just opened it up to the unlimited possibilities. And that's what I did. And I knew myself so well that when somebody, I would ask somebody, like, in my book, I have, like, all the questions to ask people about love. So know thyself. I always say know yourself, know your heart, and then ask those questions so you just don't have to waste time. You could say, oh, they're not in that phase. They're they're brokenhearted. I'm ready for love, right? Other right. people are like, oh, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. They always put excuses out there. So once you're ready and you're clear on your intentions and do rituals to keep you in that flow, then magic can happen at any time, any moment.
2: Okay, let's get these questions in. We've got a few questions in from people, but we're a little bit short on time. So our first question, are you ready for the questions? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Okay. Our first question is from Monica S. And Monica is from Miami, Florida. She wants to know if it's possible to recover from being cheated on, oh boy, after her husband has fathered a child with an ex friend of hers. She says she and her husband still love one another and the child was conceived during a break and it was agree- the break was agreed upon. It's a three-month temporary separation. Monica loves her husband. She no longer is friends with uh, the, the woman uh, who has the child and she and her husband have two children together ages 7 and 10.
3: Hmm. Well, being that I come from a lineage of uh, infidelity, Um, I've seen a lot of it, and I've seen many couples make a choice. When they had the break, there must have been something that they needed to both individually work on and possibly to see how magnificent they both were for each other. They were best friends, and then they had a disagreement or something, and then they broke up, and they both agreed to a separation. So she gave him the permission to go out. I don't know if he was unfaithful to her, before it happened, or that's a little unclear. But no matter what, there was something that they needed to work out, and then they got back together. So if she has in her heart said, I choose to go back, learn the lessons from our breakup and from the challenges that we faced, and they got back and made sacred agreements and had children together, then she's going to have to let it go. She's going to have to let that go. Because if she has the mistrust in her heart, she will always be looking over her shoulder for something to be wrong and then magnetize something bad back. So it's best for her to make that choice, and they both have to commit to the commitment every year. And that's what I do with my husband. We look at each other every year and we say, are we committed to this commitment? Are we going to keep everything in our life sacred? So if they did choose to get back together and they had two angels brought to earth together then they have to keep vowing to their love to keep it flowing. That's what I would say.
2: Okay, so Monica, I hope you heard that. And also, Renee is is also open for counseling as well. Now let's go on to the next question. Laurel D., Laurel's from Philadelphia, and she wants to know if you'll be traveling and doing any lectures with your, your new book, and do you have a blog? In the meantime,
3: I do have a blog on ReneePiani.com. And yes, I will be coming to the Delaware. I'll be coming to Delaware, Philadelphia area, and I'm going to be doing a seminar there. Um, in Wilmington or Newark, Delaware, in June, right around Father's Day, because we come home every year for Father's Day to celebrate our fathers. We're very big into family, and I will be having a Get Real About Love book signing and seminar there. So be go to my site, and you can stay involved, and I'll let you know when I'll be there. I'd love to meet you. Okay. Uh,
2: Tahari is from West Virginia. She's 29 years old, and she wants to know, if her boyfriend of three years uh, who does not want to get married will ever change his mind, she says, what can she do to sp- steer him toward marriage? He's 34, so she's 29 and he's 34, and his parents uh, divorced when he was a teen. She adds, will, will having a baby make him marry her?
3: Absolutely not. <laughs> I think that women need to understand, I was just on a film with a client who's been with somebody for eight years, and I said, you wasted eight years, you know, you had to learn from this. If someone, if a man or woman says, right now, I don't want to get married, but they're enjoying the relationship, then that's exactly what it is. They're having fun with you. But if they've said that they don't want marriage, you should listen, and the way to see if, He really wants to be married to you is to say, well, it is in my heart that I want a sacred relationship and marriage, so perhaps I should move on and give it a little break in time because if you're still staying and living with him, then he can have everything that he needs and you're not achieving your vision and love, right? So you could say, I'd like to take some time out because I want this, but I want you know, marriage and children, and he's saying, absolutely not. Because if you get him, if you get pregnant, he may feel trapped, and then he'll marry you because he feels trapped, and he never will be present in the marriage because it wasn't really both of you making a mutual agreement to want to go in that direction. The choice of your life partner is one of the most sacred choices you will ever make in your life, and you never want to force anyone to do something that they're not ready to do, or it'll always be rocky. I used to do that when I was younger, and I was right around your age when I dated the guy who kept telling me, I just want to have fun. I just want to have fun. And then three years later, you'll read about him in my book if you buy it. Get real. If somebody, if it's not flowing into marriage and they're both of you aren't aligned with that vision, then it won't ever go well until he comes back and says, oh my god, I've missed you so much and I want to get married to you because I can't live without you. But if he has everything he needs, he may not make that decision. So if you do decide to separate, you're going to have to plan for it. Don't just run out today and go, this girl on the radio said I should break up with you and I'm done. Do it strategically so that you can have a support system as you go through, a conscious breakup, I guess you could say, and then you need to take care of your heart so that you can achieve your vision. And okay, I hope let, that this helps you.
2: Okay, let's try to get this last question in from someone. Nico Lai is from Bridgeport, Connecticut, and he wants to know if long distance relationships can work. He's in Connecticut. His fiance lives in Tokyo. He returns there every four months and stays for a week or two due to his business. So he met her in Japan a year ago through business. She wants to remain in Tokyo, and he can't move there permanently for another uh, two to three years.
3: Hmm. Well, Nico, the good news is I did that. I had a long-distance relationship with my husband. But there does come a point where one or the other person has to make the move, and only you and her can decide whether you want to keep this every four months commitment going. I have seen many successful long-distance relationships happen, and I've also seen some fall apart. It's all dependent on the level of commitment that you both have to each other and making it work. But I think what you ought to do is do a test drive by living there to see if it's really what you want. Are you doing it just because you want to be with her? Are you doing it because you would really want a lifestyle over in Tokyo? So those questions have to come with time. Doing When you have long-distance things like I did with my husband, it was so romantic. He'd fly in, we'd travel, it was fun. Then I said to him, let's do a test drive of the relationship before we get married. And that is what I teach my clients. Don't jump all in until you see what it's like in Tokyo. Or you see what it's like, where you would live, what your lifestyle would be like, rather than the weekend love fests or weeks that you have together. Because those are always lots of fun. But looking at the lifestyle that you would have there, if you did make the move, would you miss your family, all those big questions. And I could help you with that. So get okay. real about what you want.
2: Okay. Renee, what's your answer to why we are here?
3: I think that we are here to spread our joy individually, whatever it is that you have that you're passionate about, and to find a life mate that allows you to be yourself if you choose to be in a partnership. I know that as As a woman that is doing her passion every day, I look at people and I think, gosh, you know, I always ask people, why are you here? What is your passion? And if you don't know, that's why Sharon Rose is so valuable, because it makes you really take a good look at your life. I say life is to be explored, celebrated. So that's why I'm here. I'm here to celebrate life, to inspire people. So you need to ask your own heart by putting your hand on it. Why am I here? Why am I here? And your inner voice will tell you what it is is. And most people go, Oh, no, how would I do that? So you have to learn how to just go out there and express your passion, whether it's just being a friendly person. I don't know what yours is. But I know mine is to spread love. And I love doing what I do. So look at me- what makes your heart sing. That's what I would say.
2: Yeah, that's beautiful. I have a question I ask all my guests before close. I'm in love with the Matrix movies. And um, do you take the red pill? Or do you take the blue pill, Renee?
3: Uh, I don't remember what the red pill or the blue pill was. Can you tell me? No. <laughs> Do I take the red pill or the blue pill? I'd probably take the red pill. Okay. Intuitively, right. I'd probably take the red pill because red just is fiery, and I think I'm kind of fiery.
2: Yeah, that's that. you're passionate for sure. Well, Renee, thank you for coming on Why We Are Here.
3: I am so blessed to be here, and if anybody needs anything, they can always get a lot of free advice on my website. It's uh, Renee, R-E-N-E-E, P like Peter, I-A-N-E.com, or they can plug in Get Real About Love also, and it will lead you there. And I'm so honored that you had me on, and I hope that some of these Get Real Reflections will make you open your heart to look at how you're the one that creates your own reality. So get out there and open your heart, and who knows what magic could happen.
2: Well, Thank you. We're going to take a break for commercial, but if you'd like to reach us at Voice America's Why We Are Here to let us know what's on your heart and mind, then kindly email us at Sharon at whywearehere.info. In the meantime, you'll find me on Twitter at Sharon Isis Rose, and please go to IsisRoseCreations.com on the contact page to share with us your take on why we are here, and sign up to win a few gifts and prizes for being such a great listener. We're honored to have books from both authors today on the show, Renee Piani's Get Real About Love and D. Roman's book entitled The 40-Day Fast from Negative Thinking. We'll be right back with Advocate D. Roman.
3: Build your better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. Succeed.
1: Wouldn't you love to experience formidable, personal, transformational changes to highly benefit your life and those around you? Do you want to eradicate anything holding you back from living with focused clarity in a harmonious lifestyle of the highest of intent, vitality, and abundant well-being? Empowerment coach, energy healer, and visionary author, Sharon Rose Washington, is here to assist you in the revolution of your evolutionary self. In these unpredictable times, it is important to connect with one's own pure inner power base of expansive creativity heightened intuition, and radiant fulfillment. To contact visionary Sharon Rose Washington for information or to make an appointment, call 323-960-5167 or email Sharon at whywearehere.info for a free introductory consultation. For immediate empowerment coaching and energetic transformational healing services, please call 866-231-HEAL. That's 866-231-HEAL. It's time to celebrate the joyful life of the authentic origin you were meant to live. Live up to your full potential. You've heard that for years, but now there's a channel to help you get there. Introducing the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Get motivated, hear about success stories, and positive encouragement. The Voice America Empowerment Channel is the home of the world's top life coaches, entrepreneurs and success experts listen to the voice america empowerment channel it's your world motivate change succeed follow us on twitter for more great ideas at voice america empowerment welcome back to why we are here with Empowerment Coach, Energy Healer, and Visionary Author, Sharon Rose Washington. If you have a question about the program or would like to share a comment, please send an email to Sharon at WhyWeAreHere.info. That's Sharon at WhyWeAreHere.info. Now, back to the show.
2: Hello, welcome back. I'm your host, Sharon Rose Washington. Joining us now on Why We Are Here is D. Roman, author and empowerment facilitator. Her life's mission is to restore and equip women across the globe involved in the sex industry and victims of trafficking to live healthy, vibrant whole lives. One of the organizations Dee is associated with is Treasures, a Los Angeles-based outreach program that is rapidly duplicating itself throughout the world internationally. In Los Angeles, Treasures headquarters location sits nearby, very close to the heart of the adult industry capital of the world, which is in the San Fernando Valley. This is a fact I didn't know until recently, and it's that San Fernando Valley is where ninety percent of all legal porn worldwide is filmed, distributed, and or manufactured. The root of Dee's endless contribution and compassion comes from her strong Christian faith. As a liaison, she is in the business of uplifting women who have fallen on hard times and are struggling to get up and stay up. She helps those with broken dreams to heal and to find the desire and strength that ushers in the engagement of self-love and self-worth, which ultimately leads to service to others. We are really honored to have her here today with us. Welcome, Dee Roman, to Why We Are Here.
4: Thank you, Sharon. It's so good to be here. Thank you for having me on the show.
2: Your organization of service um, to others speaks volumes, and your past, uh, which is intertwined with your giving back. Let's just briefly talk about uh, your journey to getting here and and what you do.
4: Okay. Uh, well, when I was 17, I ran away from home. I was a very rebellious teenager. And during that time, I was raped twice in the same week, violently raped. And it led me to an absolute need to control everything and everyone. I left Ohio and headed out to Hollywood and um, got trapped by the lure of the sex industry. I was a stripper first. And then I became a prostitute, and ultimately I found my niche as a dominatrix. And I was a dominatrix for 22 years. When I was a dominatrix, I had three male and two female sex slaves that did whatever I wanted. And, you know, I, I kind of think like I would have stayed there forever in that industry, but I, I just... For one thing, I got bored. I also had a, a meth addiction, and um, I didn't realize that until I went to rehab just because I was bored and then found out I was an addict. And um, one thing after another, I tried to quit doing drugs. I couldn't. I tried to get out of the sex industry. I couldn't. And uh, I, eventually I had an encounter with God and was set free from my drug addiction, which gave me the courage to leave the sex industry and start on my healing journey.
2: Beautiful. And uh, tell us, you know, because I mentioned Treasures, and you're involved in, I think you interact with trained outreach leaders in over 97 cities in nine countries on five continents. And, that's right. Um, that's, that's amazing. What's the biggest battle you and your colleagues are facing? Talk more about what you do now.
4: So um, after I went through my own healing, so I didn't just j- jump right into helping others. I went through an intensive healing journey myself about six years, and um, I started going to Treasures has a therapist-led support group, and I got a lot of healing there. I discovered that I wasn't the only one who had been through what I'd been through, and uh, I got a lot of support from girls who'd been through a similar journey as my own. And uh, after three years of going to that support group, I joined the care team and started mentoring girls myself. Um, So now I also host the support group, and I would say the biggest, issue that the girls have is uh, feeling trapped in the industry because of financial reasons. A lot of girls enter the sex industry as a stripper because they're in college, they need to pay their bills, or maybe they're a single mom and they don't see anything wrong with it. And then they just get deeper and deeper into it. And there's a lot of psychological problems, uh, but the biggest issue I would say is is helping them find jobs in the real world, if you will, and um, move past their pain.
2: Yeah. Uh, how important do you feel? Because I want listeners out there, not just um, people that have been involved, but definitely people that uh, need education on this. Because when I started um, reading and in your information and knowing what you do, and you're extremely brave, by the way, but how important is educating people out there as to the seriousness of human trafficking? and its effects on women in the trade.
4: You know, it's so important. I I think that people just, they they honestly don't believe it. I I have some shocking statistics for you. And when I heard these statistics, I was literally just blown away. Um, So there are more people enslaved now than any other time in history. Globally, there are 20 to 30 million people being enslaved. Uh, And 80% of those are trafficked uh, in some kind of a sexual way, sexual exploitation. Globally, the average cost of a human being is
3: $90.
4: And uh, this is an old statistic, but in 2006, the revenues of the sex industry and porn industry in the United States were bigger than the NFL, the NBA, and the Major League Baseball combined. That was in 2006. It was $13.3 billion, which is just shocking to me. I'm,
2: I'm stunned. That's the only reason I'm quiet right now. That's, that's unbelievable. But like you said, a lot of people don't believe. Um, I recently watched something that I shared with you on Nancy Grace, where she was speaking out against legalizing uh, prostitution. And um, there right. were more people, yeah, it's, there were more people on the dais that was pro than not. And then the documentary uh, produced by Bill Maher, where it, it talks about baby factories in India and places like oh. Mexico, yeah, that exploit the poor and impoverished women to become surrogates just so they can, um, as opposed to living on $14 a month, make something like 10000 and giving, using their womb. These are some of the things. So thank you for those statistics.
4: You're welcome. They're they're really sad, but, you know, there are things that we can do. I think awareness is probably the key issue. So if you don't mind, I wanted to just talk a little bit what what exploitation, what the trafficking looks like, because I think a lot of people don't realize what sexual exploitation is. Um, The first one is uh, I think most people look at human trafficking and they think, of a girl from another country being thrown into a room with a lock on the door and um, and them having to service men all day long. And that certainly happens. I'm not saying that doesn't happen. There's, uh, According to the U.S. Depart- State Department, 600 to 800,000 people a year come into the United States for those reasons. But um, in the United States, there's uh, I think an even bigger epidemic of pimp-controlled prostitution where you have these men who literally decide that this is what they want to do for a business, that they are going to get a crew of girls. And they, um, they have websites that train them on how to do this. And what they do is they, they find a girl who doesn't have close ties to her family or any friends, young girls, and they pretend they're their boyfriend. And it's a period of grooming is what it's called. So they act like their boyfriend. They literally take them shopping. They kind of spoil them for a period of six to nine months. And then the girl is in love with him, and they'll even meet the family, be part, feel like they're part of a family now. And so now the girl is actually in a psychological prison. She doesn't even know what is about to happen to her. And the pimp um, will come up with um, an event that um, now he owes his buddies money and they're going to, you know, he's going to get beat up or something's going to happen. But, hey, babe, if you just sleep with this one guy this one time, then I won't be in trouble. You know, I wouldn't ask you, but I love you. And so then the girl does it. And then the next thing you know, she's doing it again and again and again. And she'll be in this position where, you know, she'll, she may even – fight back or talk back now this is where the pimp lets her know that he's in control and that um you know their relationship is really you earn me money and you don't have a say and she will be beaten up and she will be threatened and her family or anyone that he may know that um had any kind of contact with her he will threaten them if she has a child a lot of times they will get them pregnant so they have a child then they can hold the child over them so the girl is literally in a psychological prison where she's terrified and when she's used up he will call her his number one and train her to go get more girls this, yeah, this- is going on in the United States all over the place
2: what's the, um, the most important message you want to tell young women out there
4: uh, the most important message I want to tell young women is that um, that they are loved and valued and have a purpose all unto themselves, that they don't need a man to matter, that there is, you know, I feel like the United States, oh, I don't know, it's probably the whole world, has this little uh, thing of the happily ever after that you get married and life is, life is um, you know, like happily ever after. And so girls, instead of being empowered and going to school and um, uh, having the confidence to stand on their own and have their own dreams, they, they get sucked into these relationships with uh, very abusive men. And so I would say, you know, have the courage to stand on your own, have the courage to be what you want to be, have your own dreams Yeah. and go after them.
2: Yeah. What's, what's needed most uh, by the women you assist? What do they need?
4: They need jobs. So girls come out of the industry. They've been working there six to eight years. They have very little people skills, even less education. Um, they have a lot of trauma, PTSD, and so for them to go into a workplace is um, almost impossible. But they have such vibrant spirits. They try and they go out. But it's You know, it's hard to get a job if you have a, a college education these days. So when you look at people that don't have any education and and even less experience, um, you know, it's very difficult for them. And they're coming from where they're making $500 an hour to jobs where they're making $9 an hour. And it's very difficult for them to learn to live on that kind of an income.
2: Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your book because I love the title.
4: So when I came out of the industry, I myself... um, had a lot of problems with my mind <laughs> mm-hmm. i was uh, um, my thoughts were just all over the place and um i joined a group at my church that was uh it was called the 40 day Fast from negative thinking and it was it was really shocking to me i was like wow i never even really thought about what i think about my just kind of let my thoughts go wild and so um the lady that taught it she, she just changed my life and every year on the first of the year she would teach it and and she would just do a little thing it was like a corporate fast um through the internet we would do emails and she would just send out an email every day so a couple years uh a couple years ago i contacted her and i said what's going on are you not doing the fast and she didn't reply to me and i felt like i felt like god said to me you know what you need to do it this year so i stepped up to the plate and for 40 days, I wrote the 40-day fast for negative thinking. And my friends that were on the corporate fast with me, they were like, this is fantastic. You need to publish this. So they helped me get it published.
2: Beautiful. What motivates you daily to continue to do the work you do with all you see and come up against? Why do you do what you do?
4: Uh, well, I'll tell you, Sharon, I never forget where I came from. Um, I know that 90% of these girls um, have experienced some kind of um, sexual abuse in their childhood, uh, as I I did myself, and I um, I know that they're not beyond hope. When I got out of the sex industry, I was 42 years old. I had been to so many rehabs and so many places to try and get help, and everyone told me that I was hopeless, that there was no hope, that I would never recover. I was just too far gone that's not what happened to me. I did recover. And so I know that um, that love and um, just standing with someone, unconditionally loving them, and, and just picking them up off the ground over and over and over, letting them make mistakes, but just encouraging them that they can do it. I know that it works because it worked for me. And mm-hmm. so I just think back to myself and what a mess I was. And think about the people that surrounded me, how much they loved me, how much they encouraged me, how much they didn't judge me. I was judging myself, but they didn't judge me. And their love was, it was groundbreaking.
2: I think that the most prominent thing that I'm hearing for you from you is non-judgment and, um, and how you work with, with these uh, women and everything. There's no judgment there, not on yourself, not on others, and I think that's wonderful.
4: Yeah. You know, there can't, there really can't be any judgment. You, people don't know what they're going through. They don't know how they got there, what their circumstances were or are and um, judgment doesn't help them. If you really want to help people, you know, you don't judge them. That's not helpful to them. You just love them.
2: Are you living your dream? Is this uh, kind of what you ever thought you'd be doing or it, it just kind of hit you?
4: You know, I'm almost there, Sharon. I have to tell you, I feel like I'm on the path and more than halfway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, I, I am living my dream. I, what my dream is, is is being able to help women. When I was in the industry, I was, um, you know, I was a drug addict and uh, I was a very broken woman. And there were many women that I took down the path with me, the wrong way, and uh, was the first person to get them, you know high on drugs and and you know working with me for me whatever and so um so now to be able to give back to be able to speak into people's lives and possibly save someone from going down the road that i went on you know it, it just it makes all the difference in the world
2: i want to point out to uh to listeners that you because what i'm hearing is there was no control then you felt that you had to put yourself in a position to have control by being a dominatrix. Also, you were involved in rock music. I mean, you're, you were like a rock star, you know? Right. So and, and all of that is control. And then you became bored. That's what's so interesting. And then you let go and let, let God, right?
4: Exactly. That's exactly what happened. I thought that having control of everything and everyone was what I needed, but it actually was very tiring and burdensome. It got to a point where I didn't want to tell anyone what to do. And I wanted someone else to be in control, but I just didn't trust anyone until I had that encounter with God.
2: Yeah. I have a couple of questions I want to fit in. I've got a few people here, so I want to ask a okay, couple of questions from, yeah, from our listeners. First question is from Portia N. Portia um, wants to know if you feel all women are in an unhealthy lifestyle if they're a prostitute or stripper. She's in New York. Uh, she says she's been in both industries for eight years and loves the money and her clientele, and she does feel empowered, Uh, what do you think um, she or women similar need help uh, in when she's feeling empowered? That's Portia.
4: Well, I have to tell you, of of course you feel empowered. Um, Men are looking at you. They're giving you money. You have control over them. It's empowering. It's intoxicating. I was intoxicated by the power I had over men, but is it healthy? No, it's not healthy because you're not, uh, first of all, they're objectifying you. You're an object to them. And, yes, they're paying for it, but where is the real relationship? I, I had clients that I was re- in relationship with for 22 years. I'm still friends with them, but um, it wasn't healthy. We weren't, I wasn't helping them, and they weren't helping me. We were living a life of destruction.
2: We have room for one more question. Dawn P. is from Trenton, New Jersey. Uh, Dawn's 18. She's the daughter of a woman who's been in and out of rehab most of her life. Dawn's supportive of her mother, but she can't forgive her for the things she's done. How does she begin to try and forgive? Because she says so much has happened. Her mom has been sober for two years now, but it's hard on her because her mother also is afraid Dawn will follow in her footsteps.
4: To answer the question about forgiveness, you don't forgive someone for them. You forgive someone for yourself because when you don't forgive, you're holding yourself in a trap and you're the one that's suffering. The person that you're not forgiving, they might they might not even care. But you forgive so that you can begin your healing process and move on. So you look and, and forgiving doesn't mean that what they did was okay. It's not forgetting or or um saying that it was okay that it happened. It's just saying that, you know what, I don't want to be controlled by this anymore. I'm going to forgive so that I can be healed.
2: Dee, what's your take on why we are here?
4: On why we are here? Well, I know why I am here. I am here to help others. That's where I get all my joy is from helping other people.
2: Okay. And where can our audience locate you for information on your book and the Organization for Donations and, and Volunteering?
4: Uh, You can reach me on www.DivineRoman.com, which is spelled D-V-I-N-E-R-O-M-A-N.com, and that will link to the Treasures website because my book is um, part of my proceeds are um, they go to Treasures to raise money for them.
2: Okay, and one last question that I ask every guest I'm in love with the Matrix movies. Do you take the red pill or the blue pill?
4: <laughs> um, well, the old me would have took both pills. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Um, geez, I don't know. I, I don't remember what that part of the movie is, but I'm going to go with blue.
2: Okay. Okay. Thank, thank you so much for joining us on Coming on Why We Are Here.
4: Thank you, Sharon. Have a great day.
2: You too. And now for my final thought, I'd like to thank my luminary guests today, Renee Piani, the love designer, author of Get Real About Love, and Dee Roman, author of The 40-Day Fast from Negative Thinking. Both women have not just overcome their past obstacles, they're also using their trials, tribulations, good times, and not so good times in life to bring in freedom of the spirit and compassion to others. Even in the midst of heartache, heartbreak, and loss, both have pushed through and rose as the phoenix from their own ashes. Because they have made it through the storm, they are confident in their testimonies and invite others to do the same. Breakdowns when embraced and aligned with faith in a higher power always leads to breakthroughs. These two women of empowerment lend encouragement and mother wit wisdom as they inspire those in their midst to live a life of spirited fulfillment and appreciation. We all have to take a moment to pause in wonder and to pontificate on why we are here. No life is meaningless, no breath is wasted. We are all a beautiful, intricate part of creation making life happen. Remember, the kingdom, queendom lies within. Stay rooted in Mother Earth and lifted by Father Sky as you continue to walk side by side in gratitude with the ancestors and angels. Please keep me in your heart and I promise to always keep you in mine. Have an enchanting evening. I'm your host, empowerment coach, healer, and visionary author, Sharon Rose Washington.
1: We hope you've enjoyed listening to visionary author Sharon Rose Washington and her insightful luminary guest. Please join us for another powerfully transformative show next Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on Why We Are Here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For questions, information, and appointments, Sharon can be reached at Sharon at WhyWeAreHere.info. Or for direct empowerment coaching and healing, call 866-231-HEAL. That's 866-231-H-E-A-L.
0: Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel.